0: Hello, everybody. This is Jill Renee Feeler and welcome to this week's Gifted Message. I am so excited to be here with you. We've had a a break from the live calls because I was on an adventure (laughs) with a lot of our soul family here. Um, We went to Egypt and Petra Jordan and it blew my mind in a lot of great ways. Um, It's always a good sign of a trip when you are planning to go back while you're on it (laughs) right okay so let's take a couple moments here oh and just relax our bodies relax our face take a nice deep breath in and exhale and another one (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So the reason I do these weekly calls is because I don't want to leave anybody out of this really unique way that we are connecting to source creator God, we do it from the inside out, not the outside in. And I believe that's how Jesus did it. And that's how the other ascended masters did it. So if they did it that way, why wouldn't we do it that way? And some people would say the reason that we wouldn't do it that way is because we can't do it that way. But that's not true. (laughs) We can do it that way. And more and more of us are proving that it is possible to connect to source creator God from the inside out, because we are inextricably linked to source creator energy, which is pure love. Even while we're being human, even while we're on earth, even where we sometimes act like assholes, that we are still eternally love even when we forget that. Because when we forget that, we do act like jerks. So it's fun to remember. And it's really fun to remember alongside other people that are also remembering that that connection, that inherent sovereignty is not something you need to learn and not something you need to earn. It's only something that you need to claim as yours, as the loving, eternally amazing energy that you are. And when we claim it, it changes our humanity from the inside out. It doesn't make us perfect. And the beautiful thing is it doesn't have to make us perfect. But it does make us feel whole and complete in a reality that is a genius at making us feel the opposite. So yeah, that's why we do this. <laughs> pretty simple, right? And pretty profound. And the results are even more profound. So what are we going to be doing today? How can I not talk about this trip, right? Um, I haven't had the the post trip call with my peeps that went on the, the journey with me. There was 19 of us and I want to call it 20 because... One of us on the trip um, is with child. So we kept thinking of Kristen's baby when we were on the adventure as our 20th (laughs) traveling buddy. So it was a very special trip in a lot of ways. Um, I posted a lot on Facebook. So for those of you here that are not on Facebook, I don't really have another way um, of conveniently keeping you up to date or getting you up to speed on everything from a visual perspective. Um, I do encourage you just maybe even just create a Facebook account with a picture of your pet or something like that so that you can access all of that. Um, It's just a really convenient way to stay in touch. So that's up to you. So where do I begin? I feel like all of us that were there and possibly those of you that were connected to us energetically through the grid that we are all a part of, I feel like we all experienced some sort of a sacred, sacred meaning godly initiation But they were initiations that we created for this reality. For us to remember what it feels like to be creator energy in human form. That is honoring of all life. That is meant to be upward spiraling positive. Authentic, true, loving, and eternal. There were moments at those places where each one of us felt internally guided to, I want to say, like, I mean, we were at the temple of Isis, and we were walking up, And apparently, it's all recreated at at a different site right now. But there's still something really special about that land. And we're walking up to all these supposedly recreated um, structures. And we're all like most people would be looking at the, um, I want to say exterior walls. And I was guided to turn around and have your back to it. and the sun was on our faces. It was probably about 9 a.m., the sun rising, and you can feel the sun on your face, and you could feel this power behind you. The power of the sight, possibly, in the actual land. The power of the energy stored within those hieroglyphs that are behind you. They empower you. Every one of those glyphs is like a storage container, not unlike human words, spoken words and written words. And I think all of us, I what I felt when I said, turn around and see what you feel. I heard a lot of our group saying, oh, wow, okay. How would we know that? How would we know to turn around? and let ourselves feel, not with our eyes, but with our eternal energy fields, the structure of these codes that are locked and stored in these places. Now that was a crazy day at the temple of Isis and I don't feel led to share that right now, but it's, it felt like out of a Dan Brown novel, in a lot of ways. And the more I heard individual stories from our group of 19 plus one, the more I feel like something really important and interesting was going on there that we probably may never understand. But that was just one example. When we were at Karnak, it's hard to not be impressed if not overwhelmed by the sheer number of carvings right these glyphs all over the place and they're not random I mean they look you can feel the purpose and the intention in them and my team said put your hand down here there was like an older kind of section that had been worn down a little bit probably about knee high and my team said just feel it Jill open your hand And I felt it and I could feel the energy coming out of it. And it felt like a language, a non-human language. It felt like a cosmic language, not from around here type of language. And it felt familiar and it felt light and beautiful and wise and exceptionally creative not the type of energy that's following instructions, the type of energy that creates instructions. Now that's my favorite version of humanity. A vibration of humanity that creates codes and creates instructions for a manner of living as our humanness That is something that we've, I want to say feel good about. That is something that makes our higher self smile. A way of being ourself that makes us feel like the representative of God's love that we are and can be all of us can be in this reality. Another notable moment I want to share is when we were in the Valley of the Kings. And we went into the first, I think it was the first tomb that we went in. I apologize, I can't remember which one it was. By the way, the word tomb just doesn't even resonate with me anymore. And at one point, one of our participants, Bridget, She said, and I'm going to get this wrong, Bridget, and I apologize. But there was something about, she said, you guys, I'm getting that this isn't about where they died. This is about, or excuse me, this isn't about where their, like their bones are, where they were stored after they died. This is about where they connected. This is, these are like Stargate chambers. These are, these are places where these beings, these beings that connected, this is where they love to connect. Now yes, and this is me adding. It could be that historians found the relics of their, their bodies there, but that doesn't mean that's all that that was. There are these boxes, they look like they look like a hiding place in some of in all over, actually all over these areas. There are these, it looks like a, uh, like you climb up into it. And it's this like a kid would love to hang out in there, right? Or adults like us <laughs> that are a little, little unusual. <laughs> Very childlike and curious, playful, high vibe kinds of ways. It feels good to be in those places. And as she said that, we all adjusted our perspective of what was happening, what these places meant, what they represented. And it was so cool because the first one that we went into, it was just so beautiful. And artisanship, I mean, the beauty, the, the lightness and brightness of it, it's, it's so special in there. And we felt so happy and joyful and impressed. And we were giggling, we were smiling, it was it was really fantastic. And one of our one of our members, Mary Beth, she was crying. She had tears on her face and the the attendants that that um they're not like security, they're not armed, but they're they're those that are making sure that we're following the rules when we're in there and so forth, they one of them looked at her and said and said, like, cry, tears. And and she's, she said, yes. And he said, tears happy, tears sad. And she said, no, tears happy. And he immediately got this huge smile on his face, happy about her happiness. It's like he wanted to experience that happiness with tourists that were experiencing that place. And in that moment, I recognized that the other tourists in there, they were thinking of it like a tomb, right? They were treating it as the experience that they had been I want to say model to have, there was a lot of somber. Um, I didn't notice anyone else smiling, um, just closed mouths. And kind of like you're in a, like a grave site, right? Just really like, no, this is a serious place. You're not supposed to be happy here kind of thing. And I was just noticing the huge contrast between what we were allowing ourselves to experience as compared to what others were choosing to experience maybe because they didn't and maybe because they don't know better. I don't know that's and it's not about judging that. It's just awareness of how differently we can experience these places and ourselves and this entire reality. That that place was amazing. The Valley of the Kings felt so special and so important. And at one point, I came out earlier than some of the rest of our group, and I asked our guide. I said, "So how how does the ancient mystery schools interact with this?" Because I didn't do human research before I went, and I don't. I think that most of our group didn't do it that way. Um, and she and I didn't quite understand what she was saying, but I, I was gathering that there is definitely a connection between what was happening in those ancient mystery schools, the Egyptian mystery schools in these locations, and that there was a, a tie in the link. And what was offered to me is that the Egyptian mystery schools, it wasn't like a destination, like a university at, at this address. It was an energetic attunement available in multiple places for potential initiates that had the pre-wiring and the pre-coding to hold and connect with divine energy in a way that is not common for humanity. So call us cosmic astronauts, call us cosmic explorers, call us hybrids from other realities that are also experiencing human form it doesn't matter what term you put on it, there's something different about the way we look at ourselves, and the way that we look at this reality and what's possible. It's not about hope or faith in the context of a religion. It's about grand expectations, because we know what was possible because we helped build the fabric and the context of what humanity is as the eternal creative energy that we are. When you somehow, in an indescribable way, know yourself at that level of your creator orientation, it affects everything about you your frame of reference is just different about everything. About the empowerment that you feel in yourself about the empowerment, you want others to feel for themselves. The ability for us to claim our sovereignty and hope that in the process, others do the same for themselves is a primary reason for our reincarnating at any time. It's about those possibilities. And it's about being what we love about humanity. And each of us have our own nuances about how we do that. So there isn't a cookie cutter mold And that's one of the many ways that enlightenment and consciousness communities at this time are, in our view, getting it wrong. Wherever you are suppressing creative expression that is honoring of life and honoring of self and honoring of others, it is compressing the majesty of physical life. And that does a disservice to source energy within all life. So it's not just about the ability to be surprised and impressed. It's about the expectation of being surprised and impressed with yourself and that come with disappointments. Of course, it does, especially in an age where there is so much forgetting. We're forgetting who and what we really are is like a virus. without an inoculation. But it isn't a virus. It's more like a lay of the land. It's more about the way the energy patterns work in a compressed state at certain ages and cycles on this place, in this reality. So part of what we experienced physically being there, it was being surprised and impressed with not only what's possible, but what's been proven. Structures, not just artwork, but the energy that they contain and the appreciation that it was ever created and the awe that it's still in the condition that it is. I felt myself so many times in these places feeling the sense of, oh my God, it's still here. That's so cool. That's so cool that it's still here. I love that with a group like this, I don't need to explain that because <laughs> I don't understand it is my human brain either, And I also love that i don't <laughs> don't rely on my human brain <laughs> for that kind of explanation anymore, because it, it's just not wired for that kind of con- cosmic consciousness and rationality. There was an experience at Dendera Temple of Hathors. First thing we did when we got there, not by our doing, but by our guide, Emman, being divinely connected in her own precious way. The first thing she did when we got there was speaking their local language, Arabic, to the guide. They spoke for a while. And she said, Come on, guys, hurry. And we followed this man, like we were on a mission, to a specific area of this temple. Of course, he knew exactly where to go. We were just following. He unlocks a door in the floor and he lifts it up and she says go ahead and I went first (laughs) the one who gets claustrophobic at times the entryway was so small I had to take off my hat my Indiana Jill hat to get in there and claustrophobia not even on my mind at that point I had I was excited to get in there and I did feel the sense of of uh, hurry. I didn't know why we were hurrying. It may just have been trying to get us as much time as possible and not knowing whether two or groups may show up. But we all went in there and it's this narrow hallway of beautiful glyphs on every surface of various sizes. And I was noticing and I think I mentioned to the group and I think you'll hear it in the video. I said, if you stand in this hallway in the middle of it, you can feel the energy from the coats behind you, going through you meeting the ones in front of you. Transmitting the other way. Like your physical body is not a problem at all for the energy stored in those coats. So what do those codes do? It's a great question. I can feel some of you asking it. But I do feel like the question is too limited. What can't the codes do? What do you want them to do? What do you want them to be for you personally? What do you want them to be for this reality? What do you want the word love in a love poem to do and be for the person that's receiving your expression of love. You see what I mean? I completely respect the fact that our minds want to identify and understand and decode these codes. But it does feel like an extremely limited approach to begin to receive all that's offered in these places there's a majesty in these places that literally has stood the test of time and it leaves you awestruck impressed changed forever reinitiated as the eternal Representation of source energy that you are, even in your current form, even in your current human expression. So I can't tell you from my mind what all these places meant, and I wouldn't want to have that ability. because I would be lying to myself if I felt like that were an adequate representation of all that was there. I would be missing it. Probably more than 95% of it. If I felt like I could give you an explanation of, of what a certain place was, or what a certain glyph meant, or what a certain ceiling at Dendara means to us it was meant to be bigger than that and I want to honor that not just even now but I would say especially now it's almost like we need to know that we know what we're doing as a race of life that has forgotten its purpose that bangs its head against the wall and clamors for meaning and justification of moving forward when times are hard. I invite you to just join me for a minute and just letting yourself recognize your body as a container Leave all the other tissues inside it exactly where they are. Think of your humanness as a vessel for your spirit, for your soulfulness. A container that was created by you, for you, to be you, and whatever that would mean. And that you are flexible in this container, flexible enough to be whatever you want that to mean, whatever you want your humanness to mean, whatever you want want your life to represent, that's dynamic and changeable enough to also include that, whatever that is. That's pretty sacred. That's pretty badass. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool that we have these containers. That we have far more authority for what and who we are than we give ourselves credit. Our number one obstacle being our mind and the beliefs and truths that we hold and store within it. We get rigid, we get lazy, we get tired. It takes some work and initiative to be creative. But when you surprise yourself, when you impress yourself, and you get that smile on your face like, I just did that, I did that. Even if it's standing in Egypt saying, Oh my God, I'm in Egypt, I'm in Egypt. I helped do that. Or even just you sitting or standing or lying right there right now. That you could honestly and authentically say with a smile on your face. Oh, my God, I got myself here. I have a human. Look at me. Look what I did. And now, of course, our biggest question to you is, what do you want that to mean? What do you want that to be? Because most of the limitations that you're placing on yourself are vaporware. And isn't it cool that the only person you have to prove that to is yourself. Some will support you, some will not, some will celebrate it, some will not, some will make fun of you, some will not. And none of that matters as much as your ability to believe in yourself. The timeline of Earth that created these temples that we visited they were operating from a different bandwidth of frequencies. Some of us have felt those frequencies within ourselves but we didn't feel the representation of it in our outer world. Well, maybe sometimes like right now I'm sitting here in my master bedroom in bed like a lazy bones and I am looking at three beautiful does. Just eating the grass. That to me is as cool as any temple I saw in Egypt, to be honest with you. They're fantastic. And we're fantastic. They look at us with a lot of amazing delight as well. So I get it that you don't have people with a front row seat sitting there looking at you with their jaws dropped. But your team is and your team is you and they cry with you and you cry and they cheer louder for you even when you forget to cheer for yourself. Because we're taught not to do that. We're taught that that's arrogant. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? That's something I can attest to. That when these temples were made, those who designed certain glyphs or certain patterns of glyphs or certain artistic renderings or plans for these structures that they smiled at themselves And they said, as the proud creator that they are, I did that. I'm proud of that. That holds the energy even better than I thought it could. I'm glad I took the time. I'm glad I made the time. And some of us, as we did that, We felt a curiosity. I wonder how long this will last. I wonder how many generations of humans will get to see this. I wonder if they'll just see it with their eyes. I wonder if they'll feel the cosmology of the universe that I felt. When I did this, I wonder if they'll feel that within themselves. I wonder if they'll feel God here. I hope so. Now as my human, Jill, I can say, yeah, we did. Thanks. Thanks. We felt it. We saw it. We touched it. We smelled it. <laughs> yes, I was in Egypt and Jordan smelling walls. <laughs> I can't tell you why. (laughs) It just felt like the right thing to do. And it felt like a memory, a memory of smell. I'm so proud of us. I'm proud of the part of us that created places like that, that we can now visit and go, oh, my God. That's beyond words amazing. I'm also super proud of who every one of us is right now. Because every one of us has a pretty interesting story how we said no thank you or F no, <laughs> fudge no to a lot of things that were handed to us in our lives that we felt were getting in the way of our knowing ourselves as divine energy. That is way more badass than we realize, you guys. That's something that is equally worthy especially with the constrained frequency range we have right now, peeps. That is equally as worthy of us just as that creator looking at that temple or looking at those thousands of year old drawings saying, oh my God, I did that. I'm pretty proud of myself right now. Would you please just for a minute, just for a breath, let yourself be proud of you Not for some self love cliche, although that's (laughs) worth it too. Let me give you another bigger reason why. The ability to be proud, like a lion, okay. Not proud like in arrogance, like in feeling better than anyone else. That's silly. You're allowing yourself to feel proud of your self, which is your creation in more ways than you probably give yourself credit is a portal in you for letting yourself feel and recognize and own more of the soulfulness and the God creator ability that you you have access to in this reality. That's a pretty good reason, right? Yeah. Oh. Okay, hang on. I'm going to mute just for a moment because I have to blow my nose. <laughs> <In> the, <laughs> yeah. You know, hang on. okay. (sighs) I love that. (laughs) The Buddha just said it's hard to be humble when you recognize you're the creator energy of God in human form. Right? So isn't it interesting that humility And the the desire to be humble in order to be so-called spiritual is actually a perfect recipe for separating you from the amazing, powerful, sacred, glorious creator energy that we are. And the caution that some of us have felt against becoming arrogant was a, was a misunderstanding because arrogance is saying, I'm amazing and you're not. Accepting your creator energy is saying, I'm amazing and so are you. Whether you recognize it or not, I know you're amazing. And i love it if you recognized your amazingness because your amazingness is different than my amazingness. And the culture that created... those structures, those codes, those glyphs, in Egypt, they knew that. Was there still compression of energy? Was there still manipulation and control and suppression of certain groups? Yeah. Yes, it wasn't perfect. But the energy range, the frequency range that they had available to them in that time much more readily than we do now, which is one of the reasons why we're here, incarnated, because we individually represent that we have access to it. And the more that we allow ourselves to be that wider range, the more readily available it will be and becomes in this reality who chooses to accept it and claim it for themselves. That's a whole different matter that for me, I choose to not get preoccupied with because it, I can't do anything about that. I can't, I can't fix that. And it distracts me from being my own version of light that I get excited about. And that is more than enough to handle. It's true. (laughs) Hmm. I feel the stillness as you and I are here right now. And it feels otherworldly. So calm. So still. So aware. Hmm. Now, part of our trip was Jordan and I did not know what to expect in Jordan. I I didn't I, (laughs) anyway, right when we landed, even though we had a interesting (laughs) um, airport transfer, assistant guy that wasn't exactly. I mean, he was a little heavy, (laughs) not in weight (laughs) in energy. He was a little, a little intense and not didn't seem so helpful, even though he was helping. It was just his approach was just like, wait, what? Um, Anyway, ended up everything ended up fine there. But Despite that still, there was a softness to Jordan that I never would have expected. I just, I'm just relaxing my shoulders right now, just feeling it. And it was the perfect ending to Egypt. So two of our guests on the trip and co-creators, Kristen and Inger, um, they were able to do the Egypt trip and then they weren't able to do the Jordan trip and not weren't able anyway, it was their plan to just do the Egypt trip. And I hope that both of you are listening right now live or in archive because I'm I'm wanting to share with you the softness that, that we received in Jordan because it felt like such a beautiful, oh, just kind of like relaxing, almost like reward for some of the intensity um, and the the depth and the I mean, Egypt is even just Cairo, just on a 3D level, that's just a lot. Um, And those codes have a lot of energy associated with them. So Jordan just felt like a soft landing for three days before going home. And Petra, I don't know how to begin to describe Petra. When we were going through the canyons, and then we first come across what they call the treasury, which is the main kind of image that most people see when it comes to Petra it's it's like the money shot of Petra we saw it and our guide George it was so funny because we were sitting with him having somewhere having like a coffee or tea while he was kind of giving his guide version of what was going on with the treasury and he said oh you know you can't go in there there's there's really nothing in there to see <laughs> and he just kind of shook his head like there's nothing to see here folks and we were all just kind of really, nothing to see, right? But we were all just looking at the outside, like that's kind of an interesting trick then, because the outside is pretty fantastic. And there's, there's, you know, it's roped off, there's two guards, I use that word kind of interesting, because I don't think they're actually, those those guys, those guards actually aren't armed. And they look like they're in Wizard of Oz costumes in a way. It's just really like, Hard to take them seriously. <laughs> so I don't know what would happen if you like stormed the guards. We didn't try that, and we didn't have to, which I'll tell you about in a minute. But you're sitting there looking at it, and it's and then we're walking along to the next part of the the community in Petra, and I'm I'm just like really George. I mean, like there's nothing to see in there. There's so much amazing, like these portals and these doorways and all this stuff. I mean, there's nothing. And, he's, and, I, and he had mentioned that the community that created those those elaborate carvings was only there about 400 years. And I was like, 400 years, really? That's so interesting. It feels like kind of a mwah-mwah, you know, to the storyline. And I was kind of like, but something got me here all this way, halfway around the world to Petra. And I think it's more than this pretty carving on the outside of a wall of a civilization, not the Bedouins, but the group that did the carvings. That only lasted four hundred years, right? And I was like, "Really?" And he said, "He said, yep, four hundred years." And then they disappeared. No one knows what happened to them. <laughs> and, and then I got the, the glimmer in my eye again. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, really?" And we were walking fast. He was trying to keep us on target because, you know, as you can imagine, our group were kind of <laughs> were kind of squirrely, all over the place, having our own experiences in a lot of ways. And I said, "Oh, really? So they disappeared?" I said, "Kind of like the Mayans." And he he was still walking at his rapid pace, and he looked over at me and he smiled with his beautiful greenish eyes, and he goes, "He goes, yes, kind of." And I said, "So what if they're like, you know, cosmic, like aliens or something? And they popped in for four hundred years, and they did this amazing work, and they created these stargates and portals and these interesting carvings to draw our attention to them, and then they." like disappeared and he got this smile on his face like mm, that's possible <laughs> not like he was holding a secret but like yeah you're looking at this way different than the rest of us are <laughs> um, but then it was like okay yeah there there is something more to what's going on here so there's these caves and these The Bedouin people lived in those caves. Some of them still live in the caves. I can't remember how many families, but they still live in those caves. So UNESCO, which I can't remember what that stands for, United Nations, something, something, but they're like this group that comes in and says, this is an area we need to protect. But what happened with UNESCO, and it was just like in in my lifetime, I want to say in the 80s, they came in and declared Petra a UNESCO heritage site. So what they did is the Bedouins that were living there, that had lived there for who knows how many, possibly thousands of years, they said, okay, you guys can't live here anymore because now it's a protected site and we're going to you know, protect it and we're going to have you know, like a, like a park entrance gate, so you guys can't live in here. So we're going to relocate you guys to a community that or a development that we'll create for you up on the hill and you guys can live up there and there will be tourists and you'll make a living of tourism, right? This is shady shit, right? And we're just like, well, wait a minute, that's kind of screwed up. Why would they, I mean, this was their home. So the reason it's amazing is partly because of them and their ancestors would have interacted with these, I don't know, alien visitors that popped in for, <laughs> for four centuries um, to do some other work in this area related, I think to Stargates and portals and other cool things. Um, so that part is unfortunate, right? And it, it depends. That's up to you how far you want to go into that area of not a spiral or a tangent. It is sad, though, it is unfortunate. My choice in hearing that was that when I bought two keepsakes, two knives, um, beautiful knives, by the way, um, from a local there, and he said, I was born in that cave right up there. Um, And I'm that's really cool. I said, where do you live now? And he said, oh, in the community up the hill. I chose to not interact with him as a victim. I chose to interact with him as the amazing being and a carrier of heritage that I honor and admire and respect and am impressed by. And I think he felt that. I know he felt that. So this we I still don't have the whole story of what unraveled or what what really happened there. And apparently, apparently, our guide doesn't either. <laughs> but it was interesting because our group after lunch we we had free time. So our guide said, "See you in the morning." We all knew how to get out because there's only one way in. Well, that's technically not true, but anyway. Um, So we were doing our thing and we were off and around and it ended up that three of us, John Christie and Bridget ended up staying in Petra, interacting with the locals till past sunset, the tourists were gone. they were creating relationships with these beautiful people. And at one point, the story that I was told from these three, because we were sitting in the bar before dinner at the Petra guest house where we were staying. And we've got the, it was cold. So there was like a, you know, this heated propane cold torch thingies on. And we were having a glass of wine or something. And, Actually, maybe it was after dinner. Anyway, we're sitting outside. And <laughs> these three show up, and they're just absolutely beaming. And I'm like, where where, where were you guys? And Christy says, where weren't we? <laughs> She's glowing. All three of them are glowing. All three of them have this black hole eyeliner, like the better ones were wearing, which we found out is more than just for show. It actually has function. Um, for protecting the eye from dust and sun and glare, and it's very soothing on the eye. Um, I mean, they look like rock stars (laughs) in a a figurative and literal way. So they start to tell us that they climbed these hills with the locals. And at one point, they said, do you want to go in the treasury? Uh, Remember all the tourists had gone and those costumed guards were probably probably went home too. And of course, they said yes, so they went in the treasury. The three of them, with whatever locals were, knew that they had the they had the authority to go in and out as they as they wanted. And what I remember John saying is, "Jill, we were right. It's amazing in there." There's a portal, and what we're calling a portal here, you guys, is a carved doorway where there is no literal door. It marks an ascension gateway. It marks a stargate. There's a whole bunch of different terms you could put on it, right? Ascension for leaving this reality? Why not? It could definitely be that. So George, our guide, ended up walking up at some point. I think he was heading into what they call the Cave Bar, which is part of the Petra Guest Hotel. And we got his—you know—we waved at him, and he waved at us, and he he came over, and then we offered him a glass of wine. Sorry, Bridget, that I gave him your glass of wine <laughs> that you hadn't started yet. <laughs> um, and he sat with us, and I said, George, they went into the treasury, and it was really interesting. He he wasn't overly excited about it. It was kind of a, oh, really? And I don't know what was what different layers were going through him. It could have been things like they broke rules. They weren't not, not us, but whoever let them in there, they broke some rules and they could get in trouble for that. Um, It could have been curiosity of part of me wants to ask them what it was like, but I'm the guide and I, (laughs) <laughs> it feels uncomfortable asking those questions. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but somebody at some point also offered that when President Obama went to Petra, supposedly he wasn't allowed in the treasury. It's amazing what can happen when you make space for personal relationships with the locals that have authority over these places that goes beyond the boundaries of an organization, even like UNESCO. It's so not surprising to me, and yet so sort of frustrating to me that the story is that there's nothing in there. Just because maybe modern day historians don't understand what's in there. Not understanding what's in there doesn't mean nothing's in there. So, I don't expect these mysteries to be solved. And I feel grateful that I personally don't need them to be solved. I love the mystery in this reality. I feel like you and I and others in this group help put it there. Some truths aren't ready to be revealed, some truths may never be ready to be revealed. Hmm. Petra's amazing Jordan I would go to just Jordan even for vacation it felt I loved it there I loved the Dead Sea we went to the Jordan River where John the Baptist um, baptized Jesus also known as Yeshua It's a beautiful, beautiful place. Some of us took off our shoes and sat on the steps on the Jordan side of the Jordan River and put our feet in the water of the Jordan River and it felt cold and refreshing and perfect. And it was very, very interesting to watch on the Israeli side of the river, which is probably 20 feet. On the other side, the, that part of the river, that where these steps are for baptisms, is they're not. That part of the river is not very wide. Um, so you're just witnessing these busloads of Baptist brigades or baptism brigades, just you know, they're in these white gowns and getting baptized, and it's just interesting it's just very different and i i know that world from i mean not personally right but i mean i hadn't in other words i hadn't been in a white gown being baptized but i get that how important that was for them that's a big deal for any sort of person that identifies themselves as a christian to be at the jordan river where jesus was baptized to get baptized themselves I'm happy for them. I mean, that's a that's a big deal and that's that's great. Part of me definitely I, I know at least one of our group heard me say, Save me Jesus <laughs> Just to be funny. <laughs> um, hmm. Two different sides of the river, different groups, different views on what Jesus is what that river is what history is having completely different experiences, all in the same water, right? See, we are creator energy. Hmm. I just still feel that stillness, and I'm loving you all so much. Hmm. So this <laughs> this hour that we have together today doesn't can't doesn't and can't begin to describe everything that was experienced. But for those of you that check out the Facebook, um, my Facebook wall at Jill Renee Feeler you'll have a visual sensation to experience, but again, it doesn't, it just doesn't do it justice. But I hope that some of the deeper energies that we shared with you today help you feel it on a more cosmic, soulful level. The words were just energy containers, like they always are. I do encourage you to listen again and just let yourself feel the words more than hear the words. Let your brain take a nap maybe and just let yourself feel it. I got home at about 12.30 a.m. Friday for the first hour right of Friday morning. When am I playing? flights by the way was 10 hours and it didn't, and then it had a three hour delay out of Frankfurt because of snow and I learned that they don't have a lot of de-icing equipment in Frankfurt because it doesn't snow that often there <laughs> anyway and it was starting I think on Saturday I felt in my body almost like somebody had like a motor and was holding it up to Like my arm for a while or my legs. I just, I felt so amped, I wanna say, and charged in a lot of ways. And I know this happened to me at one point when I was intending to take a nap on the trip. When at one point, I think on the cruise on the Nile, I was like, oh, we have a, a bit of downtime in the afternoon, I'm going to take a nap. And the minute I closed my eyes, I just was flooded with, you know, not necessarily messages, but just like symbols and codes and just waves of energy. And I'm like, okay, so it's, it's not an app, it's something else. And I just let myself receive. And that definitely has been going on for me since I got back in dream time. And I feel like whenever I close my eyes, there's just this I do feel like we just went through an amazing initiation in a lot of ways. And I love the awareness that these are initiations that we helped create. That's so fantastic. (sighs) So, I don't know why I want to share this, but my first uh, private session after getting back was last night. And I was so excited about it because I was like, I can't wait to see how this... How all of that experience for two weeks, how it affects my work, and it did. And I loved my private—I loved my private sessions before, and I loved the session that I had last night. And I'm excited for the private sessions I have later today and all of them in the future. Um, and I love how this message went today too. I love you guys so much. Oh, I love you. So this isn't about, I mean, you take what you want from this, right? Am I saying you should go to Egypt? If you want to go to Egypt and have your own version of an experience, I highly recommend it. And and I'm going again. So you can, uh, you can watch my site for joining me um, if you're up for that. But it's more about, And I feel like that's what I received today in the message is, it's more about who we are and what we have access to within ourselves. With a range of energy that hadn't been here, but we brought, we knew enough to bring it with us. And we succeeded. So we may not know enough to give ourselves applause. But I do hope that we know enough to celebrate the access and the authority that we have in being the light and the love of God that we are while we're here. And if others choose to remember that for themselves, that is awesome. If they don't, that is free will. But let's use our free will to the maximum as well. Yeah? Hmm. Okay. Alrighty. I'm going to let you guys go. Um, other announcements here. Let's see. My website is jillrenefeeler.com. Um, on social media, I use Joe Renee Feeler for all of them. So, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, it's easy to find me. YouTube, same. You can just uh, search on YouTube Joe Renee Feeler as well. There was a replay yesterday, and I'm a bit out of time. We were out of time the entire time of our trip. Um... And I messed up and I am so bummed about this. So John Burgo, some beyond the ordinary, I had the divine pleasure of being a guest on his show in January and they did the replay and I thought they were running it today and they ran it yesterday. So that was my bad. Um, I'm asking um, their admin support for the MP3 so that I can uh, share that because that interview there was a lot encoded in that. And I love that it was pre-trip and I love that John uh, joined us on the trip. He was one of the the 20 that were on that trip. Um, they replayed it because the special offer that we did is called Living Ascended. And it's so perfect that that series is so well-placed. Um, in terms of the live Q&A call is Saturday, February 27th. Oh, wait, no, I have that day wrong. Hang on. Um, Today. Oh, Saturday, February 24th. So they ran the replay so that people could have another chance to jump into that series and and still have a chance of participating in the live Q&A call versus when it's archived. The archives are fine too, though. So if if it's past February 24th and you feel led to check out the Living Ascended series, I highly recommend. Um, There's a lot of really, really deep stuff in there. And I love how geniusly simple. It comes across and it is a lot about, I mean, really the main theme is about living that light, living your light and knowing that you're ready. And I would say maybe beginning to know and trust that you were born ready, that you were born to be ready to be the light of source that you are. And if you've forgotten over the years, no problem when you were born to be your light of source, it doesn't matter how long you've forgotten in your humanness because you're out of time. You're eternally that light. It doesn't have to be hard to put that rehyphen membrane back into place and trust yourself as the whole and complete and amazing and glorious representation of source that you are, that no one has ever been and no one will ever be. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love you guys so much. So I plan to be here again next week. Um, I've got some exciting other adventures and things that you can check out on my website again, JillReneFeeler.com. I love you. <laughs> and I've got Sass to go with that love. <laughs> so I like the I like the spicy side of Jill too. And it's it was so fun to travel um with this group and just and be all of our layers and